My name's Grant. I'm a teacher, primary school teacher. Um, it's really all that's going on in my life, so that's about it. There we go. <laughs> there we are. Okay, so I have the privilege of doing it. Okay, we've got part two of our surround sound series, sort of looking at the um, events leading up to the birth of Jesus and what was going on around that time. And as I was preparing for this, it was a little bit hard, okay, because I got a little bit of a touchy topic. And it was hard to sort of think about this message, and also, you know, I got this on my mind, and it was very heavy, and it's weighing, and I'm going to share it with you to sort of unload what I've been going through, okay? So, 13 weeks ago, okay, I got sucked into something, okay? The moral of the story was don't listen to your siblings, okay? That's the moral of the story. But my sister was like, hey, wouldn't it be so mean to do a boxing fight one time? Like, I mean, look at me. Yes, that would be super cool. I would love that. And so she's like, hey, look, just come along and just, you know, I might do it. And so just come along to sit with me during the whole information thing. And so I did, and I ended up signing up. She didn't. She just went. So I got sucked into this thing thinking she was going to do it. We were going to do it. It was going to be super cool. You know, the spices going after it. She caved. But I keep going, okay? Twelve weeks later, so last weekend, we had our corporate fight night. Okay, it was pretty cool except that after two minutes of fighting, I rolled my ankle, and then it just down from there. So don't wear new shoes on the fight night. That's what I was, if ever you guys decide to do it, don't wear new shoes on the fight night, because, yeah, so if you see me limping or anything, it's just because of that. Feel sorry for me. That would be amazing. I would love that, okay? But, you know, we were, we were leading up to this fight night, and you sort of get together, and you've got like a um, sort of evening where they try and prepare you mentally for what to expect, when you do the fight night, because it's different to, you know, the training and, and all that sort of stuff. And so we were sitting there, and they're like, you know, there's going to be lights and um, cameras flashing and people staring and yelling and shouting and all that sort of stuff. It's, you're like, it's going to be something completely different, okay? It was. It was the weirdest feeling of my life. It was the most nerve You know, getting in the ring was the least of my problems. Being in the ring was fine. It was getting in there that was hard. It was getting up to that point. Like, I got there. I was the first fight, and so they, they said to come in, in an hour and a half before to sort of get ready, get, get your gear on, and slowly warm up, and then people will come and start training with you and, you know, get you all into it and stuff. And so I got there, and it was at Claude Lynn's event center, and there was this big hall out the back, and the two people who were there were myself and the person I was fighting. That was it. <laughs> Like, there was this massive room, and it's just me and him, like, an hour and a half before we're going to fight each other. And it's like, they had told us there was going to be, like, a wall in the middle to sort of block it so, you know, you could warm up, they could warm up. The wall was, like, this high. <laughs> so we're, like, having a good yarn while we're getting ready and stuff, and it was, like, the weirdest thing. Like, he was, he's a great guy, and he was real cool, but it's just weird, you know? And then you're, like, and then everyone else starts getting there and they slowly start warming and everyone asks you the question, are you ready, are you ready? And it's like, stop asking me the question, like, we're going to find out, you know, like, you're trying to visualize the fight but you don't want to visualize it too much and then like all that and you don't want to picture yourself rolling an ankle, that would be like the worst of it. Luckily I didn't but then it happened so I don't know what happened there but anyway, they bring you out into the corridor and you've got everyone next door and they're all like, you know, woo and the, someone comes on the microphone or whatever and introduces you. They, they tell you a little bit about yourself, you know, because no one is actually there as a fighter. Like, everyone's just pretending, you know. And so everyone's got day jobs and stuff, so they share, you know, a little bit about that. And then all of a sudden, your fight song comes in, comes on, and then you step through the curtains. 
And it's like, oh my goodness. That is, that's, this was like the hardest part, was just walking to the ring, because everyone's staring at you, and the little thing they got wrong with my one, okay, a little bit gutted about, they didn't turn off the lights. So like for every other fight, when the person walks out, it's all dark, so you can't really see anything, you know, you just walk to the ring and that's it. My one, the lights were all on, and so like you walk through the curtain, everyone's staring at you, and it's just like, and the only thing you think about is like, just walk straight, walk straight, walk straight, shoulders back, chest out, you know, don't slouch like your mum said, you know, like, you just walk normally, and it's like, do I, like, swing my arms, or do I hold my arms up like this, like, these, these big cushions at the bottom, like, I don't know what to do, and so, it was like, they were nervous, and then I was on the far side of the ring, so you have to go around there, and then it was just like, oh my goodness, it was hard, okay, so what happened was, I was so nervous, I ended up doing, and please don't tell anyone this, this is just between us, couple of steps and then I was like this is weird I don't know if to keep my hands up or down I was just so confused so I did a little jiggle it was like woo and I was like oh man afterwards I was like I messed it up because all of a sudden these people had been announced that hey through the curtains coming up next is a fighter and what came through then none other than some skinny little dude doing a jiggle <laughs> like oh man but, you know, I was wondering about that, like, how many people were watching me walk through and thinking, this ain't no fighter? Like, <laughs> what the heck? Or how many people, when both the fighters came out, they had already decided between the two who was going to win, and it's not the one doing a little dance as he comes through. Like, that is not the one. But, you know, I was thinking about with Jesus, when Jesus came and the, the, the angels came to announce him. In fact, all through the Old Testament, they were announcing Jesus, who was to come, this Lord of all, this King of kings and everything. And then out through the curtains, Jesus comes, and was he everything they expected? You know, I was thinking about that, because in the Bible, it talks about how he came in a manger, which is like a food trough. That's where, like, the animals eat their food. And so on one hand, you've got people proclaiming and announcing that Jesus is going to come, this Lord of all, this King of kings, this person who was going to break the curse of sin. And then you've got Jesus, this little baby who couldn't even get a room at the hotel and had to go on a barn to be born. And you know, I was looking, and you can turn here if you want, in Luke chapter 2, verse 8. Um, it talks about the angels coming to announce to um, the, the shepherds that Jesus was born. And so it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. To you, he is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared, with the angel praising God and saying, "Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom His favor rests." When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who 
And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And, you know, I was thinking about this because, of course, for the shepherds, it would have been true. You know, the the shepherds were just out there and then the angels came proclaiming this one that was born, the Savior, this Messiah. And they also, in that same spot, told the shepherds that he was in a manger. So they, they knew what to expect when they went there. But then in verse 17, it talks about how when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told. Um, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And I sort of started wondering, you know, at what point when they were spreading the word did people start doubting what they had heard? Because it's one thing for the shepherds who saw the angels, heard what they had said, and then went and saw Jesus in the manger. But for, you know, when they were spreading the word, at what point did they start going, oh, really? Jesus was in a manger? Are you sure? Like, is this actually the person that we were waiting for? Because, you know, we got told he was a king. We got told he was a savior. We got told he was the Messiah. But you're also talking about this person who's, you know, lying in a manger, probably got animals eating the hay around him, you know, like, does it really line up? Does what was announced line up with what was seen, you know? I mean, I'm sure it was amazing for heaven, because for heaven, it was just so spectacular that, that the, the, the Son of God was on earth. But for men, it was sort of a little bit disappointing, we don't really expect the king to come like this. You know, this is a little bit odd. I'm sure for heaven it was insane that, like, God himself would wrap himself in flesh and dwell with his people. But for earth it was a little bit weird because, you know, Mary was still trying to tell her boyfriend that the baby wasn't his, but it's also not someone else's. It's, like, you know, a little bit awkward. <laughs> like, this is a bit odd. Like, you know, I'm sure for heaven it was so crazy and spectacular that the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the, the, the Messiah himself was on earth. But for earth it was, for men there were, there were no, you know, like there was no palace. There was no guards guarding the so-called king. There was no royalty. There was no you know, wealth or surrounding. It was in a barn. They couldn't even get a room. I mean... Some of us forget that Jesus himself was actually born on a hit list. He was born on the run. He was born with people trying to chase him. The first few years of his life, he was in hiding. Imagine meeting Jesus while he's on the run, and Mary and Joseph have him, and they're like, this is the Savior, the King of Kings, and you're like, hmm. I've seen kings before. This doesn't really look like one. You guys are hiding. You guys are in the shadows. And, you know, I was thinking as Jesus grew up and as people um, spoke over him, how many people slowly started doubting who he was based on what they saw. Still no king. You're 13 now. Still no savior. You're 25. Like, mm, is this really the one? And, you know, I was thinking about my own boxing because me and Jesus are sort of similar in this respect because, you know, he was announced and didn't, you guys are laughing, he was announced and didn't come like how they thought he would, I was announced and I came through the curtains, people were like, I did not expect that, you know, like, so we, we're similar, the thing is that those people who were judging us didn't know what was inside of us, those people judging Jesus didn't know what lay within him, they were just looking at the outside appearance, same with those people who were laughing at me for boxing, 
they didn't know all the training that I had gone through. You know, because I was not fit at the start, okay? And so you spend the, the, the first few weeks on a bag, just working on the bag, trying to, you know, you do some footwork and just slowly get into it, you know? And then from there, you move to, you know, pad work. So you do some bags, some pads, you know, and pad work is where, you know, someone's holding a pad and you're just hitting it. It's real easy, like, and it sort of makes you feel good. Like, it makes you feel like, yeah, I can throw a punch, but really, the other guy's just going with you. Like, it doesn't really matter if you do it bad. They're just going with you, so it's fine. Okay, then, then you go into sparring, okay, and sparring freaked me out, because you hop in this ring, and you've spent four weeks punching a bag that doesn't move, punching, you know, pads where they're just going with you, and all of a sudden you hop in a ring, and you're with some other guy, and you're like, just stay still so I can punch you, you know, like, I'm so used to punching a bag, but all of a sudden you're like, chasing him around the ring, like, one of them, the two guys sparring, they were just going in circles, because they were chasing each other, it was the weirdest thing, worse than that, worse than that, not only do they move, but they hit back, like, who would have thought, you know, I, the thing is though, Okay, that's those sparring sessions hurt. Okay, sparring where you're in the ring, you're fighting someone. Sometimes would go 60% power, you know, like a little bit. Other times would they'd say just go hard out, 90%. You know, we're we're a little way away from the fight night, so we can we can do it. We can go 90%. It's all good. Oh my goodness, some of them hurt. Okay, one time I got a little bit of a black thing there, and it was the start of a black eye, okay? So feel sorry for me. It was the start of it. All my kids at school could see it. Yeah, sympathy there. Another time, I got hit so much in the jaw that, like, the next day, it hurt to eat, like, you're, like trying to bite and move your jaw. It was painful. Another time, I got hit. It sounds like I'm a real bad boxer, eh? But, like, <laughs> another time, I got hit in the ribs. Oh, man, dude, like, it's just bone there, and I never knew how bad that was. And like, it would struggle to sleep and lie down. It was painful, okay? Another time, the first time I did it, first time I did it, I felt so confident, okay? This other guy was like a skinny guy, but he was taller than me. And I was like, oh, it'll be all good, you know? He won't, no, no strength, no, no power or anything. It's all good, you know? We just get in there. I got hit so many times in the head, like probably like over 100. Like this guy had so, such a long reach. I got hit so many times in the head. I hated sparring. But you know what? It taught me something. It taught me I had to keep my hands up. Because if I drop my hands, I'm going to get hit in the head. And I got hit so many times in the head. Those times where I got hit in the side, it taught me you got to lower your elbow. You got to, you know, bring it in front so that they're hitting that. They're not hitting your ribs. Like each time I sparred with someone, it taught me something different. It drew out a piece of knowledge that I had learned previously that I couldn't apply on bags because bags don't move. I couldn't apply it on pads, but I could apply it when I went and I sparred with someone. Now I was thinking about Jesus. All these people who were judging Jesus based on what they could see on the outside, not what they knew on the inside. And I think Satan is the one that messed up. He messed up completely in this area. Because he saw Jesus and he heard what was proclaimed. He heard that Jesus was going to be the Messiah. He heard that Jesus was going to come and break the curse of sin and death. He heard that. And so he thought, you know what? I'll just get Jesus while he's young, you know, like 14, 15. I'll get him when he's 20, 25. I'll throw little sparring partners to try and break him down. But what he didn't realize was that each time he sparred with Jesus, he brought out something within him that strengthened him. Do you know what's in Jesus? Pastor Anne's touched on this and uh, last week, 
You can listen to the message if you want to. I'm not going to go through all of it. But he touched on the genealogy, the the bloodline of Jesus, everything that was within Jesus. Because back in that culture, that was important. You could not be a child of God if you were not in the lineage of Jesus, of Abraham, the, the, the seed of Abraham. And so going from Jesus, 42 generations going back is Abraham. That was all within Jesus. All those mighty men of God. Abraham, the man of faith. David, the worshiper. Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, praise. All these mighty men of God were all within Jesus. And so although he didn't look like much, every time the enemy came and sparred with him, he brought out a little bit of who he was so that on the day of the fight night, when Jesus was crucified for our sins, when he died on the cross, when he rose again three days later, he didn't just break the curse of sin and death, but he also conquered all sickness. He also conquered all illness. Why? Because he had been trained and built up and he he had grown in who he was. And in so doing, he opened up even a step further so that every single person here could also enter into that lineage as well. So that every single person here could also enter into that bloodline. Because before that, if you were not part of that bloodline, you wouldn't have been a child of God. But because of what Jesus did, he opened it up so that everyone could be part of that. And I can tell you right now, every single person here has a sparring partner and you don't like it, and you hate it, it's that thing in your life you're probably trying to avoid, it's a conflict, it might be relationships, it might be family, it might be, um, it might be work, it could be even something just that you and your personal life are sparring with, that you are trying to work through, whether it's alcohol or your language, whether it's sexual immorality, whatever it is, you have your own sparring partner. And the problem we have in our society is so many people trying to avoid the fight. But if you don't spar with someone, if you don't get hurt and bruised and beaten, you'll never learn to draw out what's inside of you. And what is inside of you as a child of God is Christ. That lineage, that bloodline is within you. And so if you don't spar, then you're unable to manifest the Spirit of Christ within you. That's what a sparring partner does. Imagine if for 12 weeks I had just punched a bag. And I would have got pretty good at it because my ego's real high. So I would have been like the man at punching a bag, you know? Ain't no bag can defeat me. And then I hop in that ring. Imagine hopping in the ring after that. Imagine that first hit. I would have been down. I would have been like, I'm a, I didn't sign up for this. Like, I am out, man. Imagine if all I had done is, is bags and some pad work with someone who agreed with me and went with me. And then all of a sudden I hop in the ring on fight night and all of a sudden that other person doesn't agree with what I'm trying to do and doesn't go the way I'm trying to go and it won't work. And the problem we have is there's so many people, especially Christians, who spend all their time on the bag. They'll read their Bible, which is great. Just like the bag is great. You need it. It's important. It's a foundation. And then maybe sometimes they'll do some pad work and they'll meet up with someone who agrees with what they have to say. And they'll do some pad work. 
But as soon as they hop in a ring and something is placed before them by God, because it's only going to come through God, God allows the thing, the, um, the, the thing to come in front of you. Second Corinthians chapter 12, I looked it up again. I was a little bit stuck in the last service. Second Corinthians chapter 12, it talks about how God allows a messenger of the enemy to come. And so as soon as God allows that thing to be placed in front of you to try and draw out something within you, you hop out of the ring. When we sparred, we were, some of those sparring sessions were so intense, there were some people that hopped out of the ring. They couldn't do it. They were getting beaten. They hated the hits. It just, it was overwhelming. And there's some people here, maybe you're already out of the ring. There's something going on in your life and you just step back and you just say, I can't do it. Someone else deal with that. Or maybe you're just ignoring it and just saying, if I keep it in that corner, hopefully it goes away. And maybe that was two years ago. There's some people who are still in the ring, but they're being beaten down. And it keeps hitting you and hitting you and hitting you and you're ready to quit, but you're thinking, I can't quit, I can't quit. I told her I wouldn't quit, I wouldn't give up. Maybe it's finances, I don't know what it is. There's something going on and you're being beaten. The whole purpose of a sparring partner is to bring out something within you. And if you would change your perspective and see that what's within you is the Spirit of Christ. Some of you here, maybe you're not saved. And so you don't have that lineage of Christ. It's only one step away because you've spent so long trying on your own with your own bloodline. And maybe that's not too perfect. Maybe you grew up without a father. Maybe you grew up without an abusive family. And so you've got no foundation to lean on. You've got no lineage that you feel of value and you're trying to do everything for the first time and trying to be the first one to set a path straight for your kids and it's hard and you're struggling. I get that, but there is a way. There is a bloodline that allows you to access something so much more. Everyone has a sparring partner. Whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian, everyone has a sparring partner. It's called life. And it hits you with curveballs. It hits you in the side. It hits you in the face many times over. Everyone has a sparring partner. But what are you allowing it to draw out of you? Are you allowing it to beat you down? Are you allowing it to chase you away? Or are you taking those hits? And yes, they hurt. I get that. They bruise you. Maybe they leave some cuts. Maybe some scars. I get that. But far greater than that is it grows you as a child of God, as a disciple. It manifests something within you. And we have too many people, especially my generation, especially the generation after me, who spend all their time on the bag, all their time on pad work, And one day they're going to step in for fight night and they're not going to be ready. They're not going to be prepared. They're going to get hit and they're going to walk away from God. They're going to walk out of church. They're not going to come back because they tried reading the Bible, but they never sparred. They tried talking to other Christians, but they never sparred. That's the importance of a sparring partner, that while it seems painful, while you get hurt, 
it manifests a spirit within you so that when fight night comes, you're prepared and you're ready for what the enemy has to throw against you. Your aspiring partner is there to manifest the Christ within you.